Flasher Slots, the horror podcast you never thought you needed. My name is Rob. And I'm Anthony, and each week we're going to be reviewing a different horror movie and telling some funny stories along the way. And a couple of slutty stories as well. Keep listening to find out what movie we're going to review this week. So this week's going to be a little different than usual. Normally, every episode that we've done, we've done a horror movie. But this time, we're doing something special. Something in honor of our trip to Universal that we are currently on. Because the featured house this year for Halloween Horror Nights is The Haunting of Hill House, we decided that we were going to break down Hill House episode by episode. Yes. I think The Haunting of Hill House is one of the best horror shows to come out in a long time. I would agree with that. To be honest, I would. Everybody in it's fantastic. Acting-wise, like, you feel the emotions they feel. You can see it in their face. Yeah. And story-wise, it's so well-written. He does tell a story a really great way. I do have to give him that. Mike Flanagan, the writer and director of The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, and then you take Netflix's enormous budget and put it behind something like that, and you end up with something that's essentially like the next Stranger Things. Like, it's huge. It's amazing. It's better than Stranger Things. (laughs) I mean, yeah, Stranger Things is more geared, like, kitty-ish. Yeah. This one's very adulty with adult themes, but it's so good. I love the cast. The cast was great. Yeah, it's a lot of, like, actors and actresses that are actually recognizable. The actor who plays the young father is actually the same actor who played the young kid in E.T. Yeah, that's true. Little Elliot. I absolutely love the woman who plays the mother, Carla Gugino. She is fantastic in literally everything she does. She could spit in my face and I would say thank you. (laughs) She actually, like, I really loved her role as the mother. She had this, like, her face conveys so much without her saying anything. Yeah. Like, when she looks at the kids with this, like, loving look on her face and you're like, She could actually be their mother. Like, you can see that she cares. But then she turns around and goes freaking psycho. Yeah, and she goes psycho good. Yeah. Scary good. So, in the first episode, you really meet the family and figure out why they are the way they are and where they are in life. It flashes back a lot between when they were younger, living in this fucking creepy house. Although, I do have to say, the house was gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Oh, I would love to live in a house that big. Um, just by yourself? Eh, I mean, yeah, sure. No. I don't really care. No. You need, like, an entourage of people, and then I would feel <laughs> safe living in a house like that. I would fill every room with dogs, so no. I would feel very safe. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. Um, they're at this house because the dad's a... I guess they're flippers? Yeah, I think they were flippers, before flippers were a thing. Yeah. So they bought the house, they were renovating the house, and then they were going to sell it for a lot of money. It just looks like a house that would have creepy ghosts in it. Oh, yeah. It looks like a house that has so much, like, history and then dead people who have died there. Right. Like, multiple family members over multiple generations. 100%. 
So, for a family who lives in such a haunted house, the oldest brother, Stephen, went into the writing of paranormal stories. You know, you would think that's because of his experiences as a child. But he doesn't actually believe in ghosts. No. You come to find out that he's never believed it this entire time, and he's writing other people's stories. Yeah, and making a lot of money off of it. Yeah. I just think it's weird that when Steven goes to his apartment, because he's not living with his wife anymore, his brother, who's out of rehab, is walking down his stairs with an iPad in his hand and a camera in his hand, knowing full well that he's a drug addict and not in rehab where he should be. Just gives him money. Why? Yeah. This family has such a weird dynamic with Luke, the only other brother, the drug addict. They almost feel bad for him, I feel like, to the point that they're babying him, in a way. But don't give him money knowing exactly what he's going to go do with it. Get him help. That's what I'm saying. I feel like... Bring him back upstairs. They've tried enough times that they just don't... Just whatever, you know? They just give it to him. Just get him out of their life, essentially. Ugh. It's rough. It's a very rough thing to watch. Especially because you don't realize it's his brother at first. You just see some dude standing on the stairs until he, like, acknowledges him. And yeah. And then you're like, oh shit, like, that's somebody you know. Mm. It's just so sad. Everybody wakes up in the middle of the night at 3.03, except for Luke, who woke up at 12.03 because he was in California. Yeah. Things start to get weird. Steve gets a phone call from his dad, says, I'm worried about Nell. I need you to go over there and make sure she's okay. And he turns around and Nell's standing in the corner. At that moment for me actually made me jump a little bit. Because really? I, w- I wasn't expecting it. You really thought that was scary? There's only one jump scare in this show. Yeah. Um, it it wasn't that it was like... It was more like unsettling because you knew his apartment was empty when he got there. Yeah. You're not... Ex- like, you know Luke just left, obviously, because he had the camera and the iPad. But you're not expecting now the sister to be in the there. corner. And she's quiet, too. And he's having this conversation with her. He's like, oh, thanks for, you know, letting Luke steal from me and you didn't do anything about it. But she's not saying anything. Yeah. Which makes it creepy. Eh. Not really scary, but creepy. Yeah. But then what she does next... Yeah. ...is a little freaky. (laughs) Opens her mouth. Yeah. And all that happens in episode one. Yeah, and for some reason, this guy still doesn't believe in ghosts. Well, he does now. I mean, yeah, now I'm assuming he's going to believe, but, like, before that, with all the other experiences and everything, that, like... Yeah, but he was asleep for most of it. That's what the kids keep saying. He was asleep for most of it, and the dad only carried him out towards the end just to bring him to the car. We don't know what all the kids saw that night that's true everybody has their version of the story which as the episodes go on it goes to a different child's perspective yes so the next child is shirley Shirley. yes i don't know why i keep wanting to call her cheryl (laughs) because she's a really like bland woman 
She just has this quaint little lifestyle. But it's creepy that they live... In a funeral home. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand if that's to, like, save money. Probably. You can't live in a home with dead things coming in there all the time. No. That's weird. That is weird. And you're raising a child in that home. Two children. Two, yeah. Like, that's just... No. Nah. Absolutely not. But, you know, she runs the funeral home. You know, they make money, kind of. Keep saying they're in the black because she keeps giving out special discounts because she feels bad for people. I get that. Yeah. You know, I want to try and help out whatever you can, but it is a business. Got to keep it moving. I think it's more so, like, because of her past dealing with the loss of her mother and then the funeral director of the place that did her mother's was, like, kind to her. She feels like she needs to be like that for everybody. And I feel like everybody is seeing ghosts as well because when her husband or somebody else walks by, you get a flash of this guy sitting in the corner and as I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh my God, that's Nathan Scott from One Tree Hill. Love him. (laughs) Yeah, it's... This show does a really good job of, like, having that quick transition into, like, you're seeing from their perspective this ghost of a figure that nobody else can see. But it's so shrouded in mystery. Like, who is this guy? Because they don't tell you. No, they have a really... He has a... Mike Flanagan, the creator, has a really good way of telling a story in bits and pieces over multiple episodes and slowly bringing everything together, which I think is crazy. It's incredible. But you have to be paying attention. Yes, but it makes you want more, getting these little tidbits at a time where you're just like, now you're craving who is that fucking guy. That's why I ended up watching this in one day when it came out. (laughs) Yeah, I think I did it in like a day or two days. Mm. It was so good, I did not want to stop. Is it really $6,000 for rehab if you don't have insurance per month? That's crazy. Um, I think that is just a massive ripoff. Like, I get you're providing a service. Right. But, like, how can you expect an addict or an addict's family to afford something like that? You know most addicts don't have insurance. So, when we're learning about Shirley... That's Shirley, right? Fucking Christ. (laughs) (laughs) When we're learning about Shirley, she finds out that Nell has died. And she decides to take it upon herself that she's going to do the autopsy. And she's going to embalm her and get her ready for the funeral. That's a little weird. Conflict of interest. It's more than weird if we're being realistic. Like, that's straight up, like obsession status like you you need to let somebody else take control of this because you're in the grieving process i thought it was a little over the line when she was on the phone with steve and was like i'm elbow deep in our sister's chest cavity yeah that's where it's super weird like you should not be seeing the inside of a relative voluntarily just horrifying I could never. That shit will fuck you up. Like, you... I mean, she's already fucked up, apparently, but... Like, that's just... That's something you don't want to see, and I don't know why she chose to see this. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. She did make her up really nicely, though. She looks great. Yeah. So one thing I always thought watching this show is... 
the actress who plays Nell is incredibly attractive. Victoria Peretti? Yeah. She is a gorgeous woman. I mean, sure, if that's what you're into. She is. I am. <laughs> okay. Um, I thought Steve was pretty hot. Steve's an attractive man. He so is Luke. That, that chiseled jawline. Mm. Luke's attractive in that, like, mysterious, like... Homeless kind grifter. of way. Yeah. Homeless <laughs> grifter way, where it's like, mm, if I let you spend the night, are you going to kill me? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You're kind of dirty. <laughs> but, like, seeing... Like, their makeup effects, making somebody like her sunken in and depressed looking, and then dead, obviously. Well, yeah. The fact that anybody has that makeup capabilities to make dead people look great, good for them. Yeah. That's a good skill. I guess. Mm. She makes decent... That's too morbid for me. (laughs) I mean, being around dead things all the time is... Too much. It's too much much. Grief. All around you at all times. No, I can't do that. The next sibling that we go on to in episode three is Theodora. Yes, who I love her name. It's such a unique name. I like that they call her Theo. Yeah. It's a good full name, and then the nickname is even better, which is the way you want a name to be. I like her as an actress, too. She's been in a lot of things that I have seen. Hush, where she plays the deaf girl getting stalked in the cabin. Uh, Gerald's Game. She was also in Bly Manor as well. Yes. She's also the wife of Mike Flanagan, the creator of The Haunting of Hill House and Hush and Gerald's Game <laughs> and Bly Manor. Everything uh, else that she's in. Yep. She is fantastic. She's the great Mm -hmm. bitchy sister. I love that. Yes, and you know, by this point we've learned enough about the family that we know when Stephen first received his money for the book that is based on their family's very tragic night at Hill House, he goes and offers all of his siblings... Money. Money. Essentially it's, you did this without their permission... Right, giving them royalties, and Shirley loses her shit. Yes. But Theo, (laughs) being the smartest one that she is, takes that fucking money and gets herself a degree. (laughs) I'm getting my fucking PhD. That's incredible. Yeah. That's ballsy, too. Good for her. She also seems to have some sort of, like, powers, I guess. She's, like, the power of touch. And memory. <laughs> she's always wearing gloves. Power of touch. Yeah. I mean, really. Like, she touches things and, like, she can sense, you what know, they are. what they are and things that have happened to that situation. Which makes sense now, because in the beginning, I'm like, why is she always wearing fucking gloves? Like, is yeah. she really that cold? Yeah, it's like she wears these very long, elaborate gloves at the wedding and then just her basic gloves. Like, she's got gloves for every occasion, so it's like. All right, what's up with the gloves? She could be. I was like, is she a germaphobe? That would make sense. That, I mean, especially living in the guest house of a funeral home, I could see why you would want to wear gloves all the time. Yeah. Too many dead things that might have been around there. Mm. She, for me, is easily, like, one of my favorite characters in this show. Is it because she swims in the lady pond? (laughs) Uh, no, but I did actually really like that aspect 
Right. I like that you threw that in there. I like the inclusion. I see you. Exactly. And it's not one of those in-your-face inclusions that's like, look right. at me, I did it type of thing that some shows do. The entire family's reaction when they figure <laughs> it out. Like, Nell and Steven, so funny. When she he's like, I didn't know you were into... And she's like, bridesmaids? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then Shirley, when she figured it out, when she's staring at them at the wedding, I'm literally dying, cracking yeah. up at her face. She's staring uh, <laughs> for like 10 minutes and just with this hardened, quizzical look on her face. So funny. And then you have Steven and Nell just fucking sitting there watching her as she watches Theo and you see the cogs turning. And the moment of realization, and then she fucking, she looks around to find somebody to tell and fucking grabs her husband great oh so funny the whole mr smiley thing was crazy yeah i was a little uncomfortable with that part because like i don't like when kids are abused like that like it's an uncomfortable sensation to be witnessing well yeah this show puts a lot of uncomfortable situations in your face and makes you just sit there and deal with it because it's so good that you don't want to look away. Right. But also, like, Theo uses her powers for good, essentially. When she found the cellar when they were little. By the way, that was the first time I caught one of the hidden ghosts. Was right there. Yes. On the sta- under the stairs. Mm-hmm. As soon as she opens the thing, I'm like, there it is. Yeah. Apparently there were others in previous episodes. I can't... My eyes are peeling everywhere for them. I can't find them. These little split-second things where it's like... You'll notice it sometimes when a camera zooms in on, like, one of the main characters' faces and there's a blurry background. That blurry background is in the shape of, like, a person. Or, like, you see a face in the background. And, like, there's a lot of them. It's like hidden Mickeys. Yes, but it's so good. When you see one, you feel really good about it. Yeah, I felt good. I was like, ooh, there it is. Yeah. I see you. How do they're... you not see that? <laughs> yes, that's the other thing. Is like They're just wandering around them. It's crazy. So then we move on to Luke, who you learn has a serious heroin problem. I think they said he's been in and out of rehab like five, six seven times who knows at this point like they've probably lost count but when we see him he is 90 days clean he does get his chip yes he's actually doing really well he has a girl thing friend person yeah not supposed to date apparently in your first year yeah first year everything seems to be going good for him and then the girl leaves well escapes Escapade right out of the window. Yeah, she booked it. And left him a note saying, don't follow me. So what does he do? He follows her. Of course he does. Because Luke's, in his heart, he's a good guy. Yeah, he wants to make sure that she's doing okay. He finds her. They... Did she use? I don't remember. Did she use when she was out? She did not. She said she was going to, but she didn't. Right, and then... They are looking for money and then come to find out that's when he goes to Steve's apartment to get money. And he keeps saying that he's cold and his body hurts and he doesn't feel well. That's when the time thing starts 
making sense. All coming together, because that's when they found out that... So Nell had died, because they did... They made a point to talk about, like, the twin thing when he was, like, when I broke my ankle, she called me and said that her ankle was acting up. So it started to make sense. You know, she's dead, and now he feels it. Yeah, he's feeling death, essentially. Yeah, cold, his body's getting rigid, and... Which we find out why his body hurts also. Oh, well, yeah, because she's dead. We also learn Luke had his own ghost that would follow him around. Ooh, yes. Yeah, the tall, creepy, floaty man from when he was little. You see this big ass, gotta be like eight, nine feet tall. Yeah. Floating about half a foot off the ground. Yep. Always with his back turned. Yep. Always with his back turned. When he's an adult, he sees him, I mean, he's standing on the ground, but he sees him with his back turned always, and then, you know, he walks away, and it just gets closer, and then it gets closer, and then it gets all the way up to his back, and I saw the switch in his eyes when it came all the way up to his back, and it kind of made it metaphorical for his drug habit. Mm -hmm. So he sees that he uses the heroin to not see it anymore a very crazy crazy realization for me but man just great storytelling all around yeah the luke and the nell thing like the two of them are honestly like the main focal point of this show you don't realize it at first because you think all of the characters are the main characters but this story is about luke and nell and their connection the fact that as a child the two of them experienced all of these things you know they both were the only two who really saw ghosts that's true you know luke was he when he went into the cellar that thing fucking scared him he saw the little girl in the yard he saw the man with the hat you know he saw all of these things, and you realize why he became who he is. Yeah, I would. Anything, yeah. to, anything to get rid of the mental images of all of the things that I've had to deal with growing up? Absolutely. Yeah. And then you realize why Nell is as neurotic as she is because of their connection. Like, Well, this is where we're going to get into the fifth episode, because... Yeah. Even in the beginning, little Nell is talking about this bent neck lady. Yes. And you finally get a glimpse of her in the beginning of this episode. And you're like, oh, God. And the episode's even titled Bent Neck Lady. So you're like, okay, finally, I can learn about this fucking bitch. Yeah, and she's creepy. Yeah, very creepy. This episode focuses mostly on Nell and her story and her struggle. And boy... Did she go through a lot in her short life, even after everything that happened to her when she was a child? Oh, yeah. Nell has easily the most tragic story. She has sleep paralysis, which is terrifying enough in itself. She's at a sleep clinic and hitting on the sleep tech. Yeah. And then he asks her out for coffee, and I'm, and I'm thinking, I'm like, mm, that doesn't seem ethical. Yeah, like, it's like conflict of interest. Just a smidge. But, but it's also research. He wants to watch her sleep, you know? Okay. <laughs> okay. Get first-hand experience. All right. 
So they fall in love. They get mm-hmm. married. He's a beautiful chocolate man. Yes, he's actually very attractive. Yes. I could see why she fell for him. Oh, yeah. And he was charming. Yeah. Very charming. So they've been married for a little while, and she has one of her sleep paralysis episodes. Yes. And he goes to go turn on the light, just like he always does, because we watch him do it with her a time before that. So he's going to go get the light, and all of a sudden, he just stops and drops. And yeah. the bent neck lady standing in the corner. She didn't do well for herself after Arthur had died. Yeah, she... Like, I understand, like, losing a loved one and how, like, difficult that can be. But, like, for her, it was ten times harder because she witnessed it and she was in sleep paralysis. Right, she couldn't do anything about it. He literally died in front of her eyes. Like, that's... That's fucking rough. And she... She sunk into herself, essentially. Like, she got very depressed. She was seeing the bent neck lady again. She probably couldn't sleep. And then she flies out to Massachusetts, which I'm like, okay, she's going to go with the family because they keep telling her, we want you to come to the East Coast. So when she said from LAX to Massachusetts, I was like, oh, great, she's going to go get help. And then instead, she goes to a hotel where she sees the bent neck lady again in the hallway. And again... Not really jump scary that scene where she pops down because like you kind of expect it. Yeah, it's a dark hallway. The lights started going out one by one. You knew something was coming. Right. So you think she's gonna go get help, but instead to the house. I don't understand. Yeah. Um. You know, you come to learn that like in her flashback, she was going to therapy. She was seeing a a therapist who was helping her work through all of her shit because it had been piled on since childhood and not dealt with. He essentially tells her to confront the source of everything, which is the house. The house was the source of her trauma, I guess is the word, you know? And the epicenter of all of her pain. Yes, this the thing that started it all. Because before that, she was a happy child. Yeah. And then she went to this house, and her life turned to shit. Yeah. And when she gets up to the house, and the porch light flickers, just like the mom said, when the porch light, when I flash the porch light twice, that means it's time to come home. And as soon as she opens the gate, there goes the fucking porch light. And you're like, oh, well. Mommy's home. Yeah. She walks into the house, and it looks like it did when she was a child, and she sees, like, the younger versions of all of her brother and sisters coming up to her and just talking to her like she's the little girl. Yeah. And then it cuts to the fact that the this mansion is abandoned and in shambles. And it just keeps going back and forth, and all of these ghosts essentially are telling her all of these things that she wants to hear the mothers you know you see the mom again and uh, so nice to see her so wonderful yes um then you see luke and he's like i'm sober and it's all because of you and that's when it's like okay and then he moves over the house is kissing your ass right telling you you can have all of this stuff if you just stay here which in and of itself that's a red flag In any relationship, you know. Yeah, but it seems that she's pretty much lost her mind at this point. 
I this house I think just has its own power of like it can pull the wool over your eyes essentially and mask itself into being what you desire the most. That's true. So now you've met all of the siblings now, you've learned all of their backstories and how they've gotten to the point where it's supposed to be current time in the show. And this is where, you know, I want to put a little spoiler warning out for anybody who hasn't seen this yet, because this is where shit starts to get real. Yeah, this is where parts of the story actually start being explained and you start figuring out what's actually going on. So, at the end of Nell's episode, she's still at the house, she's with her mother, and she and Mom's like, come on, we're gonna come and have a tea party. At the walking up the very weird spiral staircase in that house that goes up, like, three stories. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's its own, like, private area. Yeah. Everybody goes up there, and Nell goes to look over the balcony and sees her dead husband, who she was just dancing around the house with, mm-hmm. and cuts to the mother, who gives her the locket that she was asking for about when she was little, and then cuts back again, and Nell's now over the edge with a rope around her neck. The mother says, I think she said it's time to come home or it's time to wake up or something like that. Uh, I think she says it's time to wake up now. Gives her a little kiss on the forehead. forehead. And she falls. Breaks her neck. Snaps it viciously. Yeah. And what she's wearing, too, that's when things start to come into realization as well when what she's wearing and what happens and the way her neck now looks. And then, all of a sudden, she just shifts and drops down. You come to find out that Nell herself is the bent neck lady that has been torturing her her entire life. Yes. Fucking wild. Yes, and just the realization that, like, all of the major moments that we saw the bent neck lady were sort of life-changing moments for her. And you realize... It's actually her just looking back on her life in death. And just like... But the fact that Nell has been able to see that from such a young age, going all the way through her adulthood, is just fucking insane. Insane. Yeah. It's something about this family. Like, they each have powers or something. And I guess Nell's power was seeing into the future and the past at the same time that she was able to just haunt herself. Well, the mom did say that the grandmother and the great-grandmother had powers or feelings or whatever she said, and she was wondering if the other girls had had them as well. So clearly Nell has just a different power than Theo has, I guess. Shirley just has the power of being a bitch. Yeah, Shirley has the power of giving away money, giving away things for free. Yeah, that's insane. So once you find out that Nell is the bent neck lady, it cuts right back to them in present time where they're hosting the funeral for Nell. Yes, and then episode six starts, and episode six is easily one of the best episodes of this series. I did like the storm aspect where... Both the past and the present are having this huge storm right now. Yes, and the storm is also, like, the indicator of, like, that was the storm before 
like the final night. Yeah. So this was also the storm leading up to the final culmination of events during Nell's funeral. Because right after the funeral, you go straight from that into the end. So it was very, like, foretelling that we're nearing the end of the story. I think one of my favorite aspects about this episode is the fact that the whole entire episode was filmed in single-shot takes. Really? Yeah, so the first time I watched it, I didn't notice it. I didn't notice it. But re-watching it, you can tell, like, in the first, like, it's like 17-ish minutes of it, the whole beginning of the funeral, one take. One straight take, and what I love about that is... That's really hard to do. Yes, it's incredibly difficult, and it's also really hard to direct that long. Usually one-shot takes are only three, four, five minutes. But a 17-minute one, like, everybody had to be precise in their coming in of the shot and out of the shot as the camera's moving in order for, you know, it to be one take. And fantastic. Hmm. I did not notice that this time around. Maybe the next time I watch it, I'll remember to take notice of that. Oh, it was so good. Even with it going into the past in the first 17 minutes, they did that without doing a cut also. So essentially they had every single version of the characters there at one time in that one take. Well, I mean, they're on different sets, so no. Well, no, it was one, like, the set they had built was the funeral home connected to the house. And you went straight from the funeral home into the house. Oh, well... I mean, you know how Hollywood does that kind of stuff. Like I know, but it was just so well done. And, like, the jumping into, like... There were even ghosts in the background of the 17-minute shots that... Fuck if I saw them. Yeah, they were coming in and out of the shot. Like, just having that many interchangeable pieces. That one ghost that I saw when Theo opens the trapdoor is the only hidden ghost <laughs> I could find. I'm, like, fucking blind. I, I honestly don't know how you don't see them sometimes, because, like, sometimes they're just, they're there, like, right in the middle of the screen. I mean, I see them when they're standing there when, you know, during the storm when the mom, like, ran across the hallway and they're all standing there. I mean, yeah, gotcha, I see those, but, like, those are the, the ghosts of, that we've seen already. Mm-hmm. But these hidden ghosts, I can't fucking find them anywhere. You have to, like, really take your eyes off of the main goings-on, which in a story this good is actually very hard to do. Yeah. Cause like, I'm so invested. Yeah, you just you want to watch all of them and see like their reactions, because they're such good actors. All of yeah, them. Yeah, all of them. I liked when it cuts back to the funeral. The stories that they told about her when she was young was very, very sweet. Yeah, you could tell they all very much so cared about Nell. She was like this, I feel like the heart of the family. Like, even if Shirley wasn't talking to Steve, or Theo was mad at Luke, or, you know, none of them wanted to talk to the dad, Nell was always talking to everybody. She was always good with everybody. Everybody has a good story with her. The kids really seem to have held on to a lot of that anger towards their father. Yeah, especially Steve. Yeah. You know, being the oldest and 
the next man of the house, he hates his dad. It's... I'm pretty sure at one point in that episode, he says the wrong parent died that night. Yep. Right to his face. And it's like, oof. Like, that is probably the worst thing that you could say to a parent who lost their spouse and telling them, ah, you should have died that night, not them. I want mom, not you. Yeah. Basically what he said. Even though mom was the fucking crazy one. (laughs) Was she, though, or was... Did the house make her crazy? I mean, it was the house, but there were probably some underlying things that the house just cashed in on. She did have those crazy migraines. Yes. So after, you know, Steve really lets his dad have it and everybody's airing out their feelings, because that's what you do at funerals, you not just remember the person who died, but you also gotta let all those other feelings out because you're going through the stages of grief. The fact that... Steve offered money to the family as like a hush hush thing for writing the book about their horrific night and their childhood and everything. You know, you learn Shirley's just as pissed about that. Shirley and Theo get into a fight. Theo drops the bomb on Shirley that she took Steve's money. At Nell's funeral. Yes. The worst time you could have told Shirley the thing that pisses her off the most... The husband turns around and says, we took the money too. That was his secret bank account that he had. I had forgotten about that. I really thought he had a mistress. Yeah, it was like this thing that they just glanced upon in Shirley's episode and then just didn't talk about it again. In the next episode too, you learn that House has severe black mold and it needs to be completely renovated and the dad has no money so he decides to take it upon himself to fix the problem and steven wants to help him so they're down there he is trying to fix one of the fans that is broken and he tells steven to unplug it and he does i watched him go over there and unplug it yeah and the dad's not paying attention sticks his hand in the fan and the fan is on it magically turns on and you turn back and it's plugged back in yeah that gash was deep. Yeah, that was probably one of the bloodiest parts of the entire show. And that was like, a, you could have just lost every finger on that hand, dude. Well, it cut him right in the middle of his hand. Yeah, but like, I think that's because he was reaching with his hand, like, not fingers out. If he was I, reaching fingers out... Yeah, he would have lost all those fingers. She would have been cut right off. Oh, yeah. So they think that they've fixed their problem with the black mold... It just comes right back. They can't find the water source. The only place that they can't check is the red room. Yeah, because there's no key actually to that room. But I don't know if you noticed when he was checking and saw the black mold, there was a ghost in that scene. Did you see that one? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. I'm blind. It was actually like right in the middle, too, of the scene. Yeah, it was great. It was... There was a white backdrop from the tarp, and then you see the scene, then it cuts to him, and then it cuts to the scene again, and there's just a fucking person standing there just staring at him, and they're also, like, white face, but, like, little black, like, outline around him. Nope. I got none of that. That part gave me, the first time I watched it, I saw that part, and I was like, oh, fuck, dude, that's the thing that cut your hand. 
As they're fixing up the wall, the entire time the dad can hear scratches from behind the wall, thinking that it's rats. Which is just another problem tacked onto the mold issue. Right, like he needs any more mm-hmm. problems. When you find out he's already poor. Yeah. So eventually they take the wall down and discover that there's a body behind there that's been there for years. Yeah, he cemented himself back there. He built the wall. Uh-huh. In front of himself. Yep. Because they were like, yeah, we found all the tools for building a wall in there with him. And you're just like, uh, okay. That takes a special type of crazy to wall yourself in. So after you discover that the body's in the wall, it cuts right back to Nell's funeral. They're all fighting about something. And Shirley goes over to see Nell and sees that there are buttons on her eyes. Which she's pissed about because, I mean, you would be too if it was your sister. It's kind of like desecrating the corpse in a way. Yeah. So they start arguing about that, and then the power cuts out. So Shirley and Steven go to look for the breaker or for flashlights or whatever, leaving Theo and... The father. By themselves. Enjoying each other's company, as always. Yeah. Although they they had a nicer relationship than... A bit better than everybody else. The father, I think, is the one who notices these wet footprints leading towards Shirley's office. So what do they do? Follow them! Because of course you want to know what's wet. So they walk into Shirley's office and see the model home that Shirley had built of the forever home that their mom had designed for them, smashed into pieces on the ground. What do they see coming around the corner of the office? creepy dead mom yeah which very traumatizing you can see theo's reaction is pure terror yeah she played that great but the father has almost nothing almost no reaction to it he was just like there there theo like comforting her as this thing is fucking crawling at her i mean you do notice that the father apparently sees the mom ghost like all the time He has conversations with her. Yeah, I noticed him talking to her at the funeral. Yeah, the funeral when he first arrives, and he's like, oh, I know, they've grown so much, haven't they? As soon as he said that, I was like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) If you're going to talk like that, at least don't do it in front of people. You know? That's true, so you don't look like a fucking psychopath. So you don't look schizophrenic, like you got voices going on all around you. After that, Shirley comes and... Of course, she's already pissed about other shit, and now just throw on the fact that her model's broken. She's even more pissed. Now everybody's fighting even more. Theo, because she decided to get super drunk, decides she needs more alcohol. So she goes to go try and find it, and then Shirley is just looking around for flashlights and she's looking for whatever and she opens the door to this closet and there's Theo with her husband in a precarious looking situation. Yeah, it's like the beginnings of closet sex. But like, Theo's a lesbian. They use strap-ons most of the time anyway, so it's just like, oh, it's just a switch into a regular dick. I've asked multiple lesbians, scissoring is, like, not a thing. Yeah, no, they use strap-ons. Like, they buckle up and they just fucking... Buckle <laughs> up? Oh, yeah. my God. 
They strap that shit on and go to town. Oh <laughs> my god. Listen, I didn't make the rules of lesbianism up, alright? <laughs> so everyone's fighting with each other, and all of a sudden, Nell's casket falls to the ground. And everybody stops what they're doing, goes to pick her up and fix her. That's when they notice that Luke is gone. Yeah, Luke decided that he couldn't be there anymore, and he just disappeared. And then Theo's car disappears, Shirley can't find her credit card to pay the caterer for the service. Then their father says, oh, I saw him sitting over there by your purse, and he left to go smoke a cigarette about an hour ago. Oh, so you knew he just dipped, and you said nothing. Yeah, I mean, that's code. You saw a junkie, even if he is an ex-junkie at the time, but a man who you know in the past has fiended for drugs, staring at a purse, and then he's gone at his sister, twin sister's funeral. So Steve and the dad go to find the car. find where he is because Shirley put a hit out on her credit card and she got a hit back saying that he used it at a gas station, so they went. When Steve and his dad were in their car and he was telling him that he had gotten the vasectomy, I was like, that's why he couldn't get her pregnant. That was a rough part. So after Shirley finds the address and figures out where Luke is going from where the credit card was used, Theo is there and all of a sudden there's knocking on the door. Banging all over the windows, just like what happened to the two of them when they were little. Yeah. It was basically like a reenactment of a childhood trauma for them. It's stuff like that that really ties the story together really nicely, because it's still drawing the parallels of that night with the storm and everything and all the other shit going on to what's going on in the present right now. So, once all of the shaking stops... Theo and Shirley get into their car and go to where they know Luke is headed and Stephen and their father, which is Hill House. Yeah, the only place that connects all of their trauma. So the girls are in the car arguing with each other, and this is where the jump scare for me comes in. Can I tell you, the first time it happened, I was in bed watching it in my room, And I literally threw my phone across the room. (laughs) My phone was in my hand, and when it happens, I I literally... Because it comes out of nowhere. No, it's actually, like, honestly, like, the top scariest moment of the whole show. It's the last thing on your mind. Right, because you're so focused on... On their fighting. ...the fight and the words that are coming out of their mouth that when it happens, it just... uh. And it's also just the scream. Yeah. This is the third time I've watched Hill House, and it gets me every time, and I know it's coming. Yeah. It gets you, because it's such a primal scream, it comes at the most unexpected time, and then it follows up with that big old swerve, and you think, oh shit, Shirley and Theo are about to fucking crash. And then Theo has this, like, what seems like a ten minute long meltdown. It's an existential crisis. Yeah. Like... Theo, her walls finally come down. And flood. Yeah, her emotions that she has not had her entire life just come 
pouring out of her. She really gives it to Shirley. Even says to her, like, listen, yeah, I kissed your fucking husband. So she basically finally tells Shirley why she kissed her husband. And you come to find out it's because she touched Nell. Because with her powers, you know, she wanted... She wanted to feel, I guess, what Nell had felt before she died or something. I'm not 100% sure. But she Uh, explains... Where she is now. Because when she touches her, she tells her that she feels nothing. Then she says that the nothing, like, spread throughout her whole body. And that she couldn't feel anything at all for, like, I don't know, like a day or two. Or... And that's why she was drinking so much, because she was trying to, like, numb that nothingness. And, you know, it's the first time Theo has ever talked about her emotions, really. And it's also the first time you're getting this explanation of how her powers work. Where she's I figured like, that out during her episode. Well, I'm saying where she's, like, not only can she, like, tell what things are, like, she can see where things are, like, when she wanted to touch Nell and see where her soul was or whatever. Like, feel what happened to her and where she is. Yeah. You figured that out in the first episode. Or in her first episode. Yeah. But it was just a very good moment, you know? It was also a nice bonding moment for them. So before it gets to the good, meaty part that you want of what the fuck is going to happen in that house when they all get back there, the next episode brings it to a lot about the past you get the next day after the storm had happened mom walks out with all the gla- fucking barefoot walking where all the glasses in the hallway I'm like oh she really is fucking crazy yeah at this point the house is just completely taken over her you also then learn about the old ghosts that used to live in this house One in particular, her name is Poppy. The way she's dressed almost kind of looked like 1920s flapper girl. Yeah, like like Great Gatsby. Right. Like party girl. The way she talks and the way that she... Her speech patterns. Yeah. She's insane. Oh, yes. Poppy is batshit insane. When she's talking to the mother in the mother's reading room... And she says, I like what you've done to the place. This was my, uh, I think it was her baby's room. And she's talking to the mother and she's like, when I was here, I would have these visions, these dreams of my son not being able to walk. And then like dying and all of this stuff, essentially. Then she's saying to the mother, you know... If you could save your kids, would you save them? But when Poppy is telling that story about the boy who couldn't walk, I remember when the mother opened the door and there was a little boy, a little ghost boy in a wheelchair. Yes. And she was telling the story about how he used to bang on the walls. And I'm like, holy fuck, it's the little ghost boy banging on the wall. Because he can out. And banging on the funeral home wall. Yes. As well, for Theo and Shirley. Mm-hmm. So it's like, whoa, everything is starting to make sense. 
yeah, the story's like actually weaving together now because, you know, this episode essentially revolves around the mother. You know, you get the mother's perspective of when she was in the home and you can tell like you're starting to see like, oh, okay, these moments where we had seen from the other perspective, like when she punched the mirror uh, that Stephen had made for You her. see why she did it now, because Stephen didn't know why, so when he tells it from his perspective, she just gets angry visibly for no reason and punches a mirror. But you find out she's actually seeing the adult version of Nell and Luke dead. And that's why she punches the mirror. She's losing her mind. Yes, the house is corrupting her to try to make her kill her children and preserve them from a future of pain. So, the whole time you're thinking that Luke is seeing this ghost of this little girl who is just wandering around in the woods at night, and he asks if she could have a sleepover. And the parents say yes. Mom is going away to her sister's house because she needs a little break. Yeah, the house house. is driving her insane. Yeah, so she's going to take a rest Mm -hmm. somewhere else. And so they're having their sleepover. So Shirley goes down into the kitchen and sees that her mom is there putting together a tea party when she should be at her aunt's house. Yeah, in another state, because she flew there. Nope. Mama's, Mama's still in town. So she takes her tea set and goes to the twins' room to wake them up for a tea party, and we see Abigail literally laying in the bed. Oh, she exists. Yeah, you're like, oh my god, she's not a figment of Luke's imagination. So she invites all three of them up to a tea party in the red room. Mm-hmm. That's open. For the first time that we can see. Yep. And Nell asks her, oh, how did you open it? And she goes, we were the key all along to open the door. Which should just give you a hint that this house has a fucking crazy-ass mind of its own. This episode ends with the young dad running into the red door to stop whatever it is that's going on. And then it, the final episode starts with Stephen trying to write a sequel to his book with a pregnant wife, which is a little weird considering he just told us two episodes ago that he got a vasectomy. So I'm confused. Yes. And there's also the hints of the father and the brother didn't make it out of the house alive but it's not telling you what happened. You come to find out Stephen's not actually home, and that's not his wife, who's pregnant with his child, that he was actually caught by Poppy. Stephen wakes up, and he's in the room with all the rest of his siblings behind the red door. Yeah. And you're just like, wait, what's going on? And now everybody's having some sort of dream sequence. You finally learn about Shirley and this mystery man, Nathan Scott, 23, never forget. (laughs) His real name is James Lafferty, but he played Nathan Scott on One Tree Hill. Such a good show. Shirley is a little 
Slut. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know if you'd call her a, a slut. She's a very reserved slut if she was a slut. Well, I mean... But she did send him an appetizer. That is, that is fucking funny. That, I thought, was probably the... Like, Shirley having a sense of humor. Yeah. Because she never has a sense of humor. But she did cheat on her husband. Oh, yes. Even I mean, though, look at him. I would cheat too, girl. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> I mean, you know, it tries to tell you that she didn't cheat, but then, like... He was like... That's what you wanted to tell me, but really what you said was... You saw my wedding ring, mm-hmm. and that's what sealed the deal for you. And he said that, I was like, oh, yeah. shit. He called her out on her shit, and he was like, you he's... saw, I had something to lose. You had something to lose. I'm not going to say anything if we do this. Mm-hmm. And Shirley went back to his room. Yeah, and then Shirley wakes up then in the red room with now Steven and dead Luke. Well, you think dead Luke. Yes, Steven's trying to revive him. The only one left is Theo. Yes. Theo is having her own nightmare. I mean, it didn't look like a nightmare to me. I mean, she was in bed with a hot Asian girl covered in tattoos. That's pretty nice. I mean, I know you don't like the flaps. No. But if it was a hot Asian dude covered in tattoos... You'd be pretty happy, too. I do like Asian dudes. It, there's something about them. Yeah, I know. I don't know what it is. For me, get me. And plus, she's literally covered in tattoos. Yeah, and she was very pretty. I'll give her that. She was a 10 out of 10. And sure. Theo's already a 10 out of 10. So it's two 10s together, you know. Mm. But, you know. Scissor sister sandwich. Yes. <laughs> Theo's having her whole, like, oh, my power's aren't here because what poppy's trying to give them is this like fantasy of what they really want and theo doesn't want her powers then it turns into that nightmare sequence with all of the hands grabbing her to me that freaked me the fuck out a little bit yeah that was a little creepy but because you think your bed's a safe place and she's in her bed and then all these hands are grabbing her and shit and like no thank you no ghost hands please So she wakes up from her sequence, and they all try and revive Luke, who, when they found him, had a needle sticking in his arm. Very gruesome needle, too. Yeah, it was the whole scene. You know how I feel about that. That made me very uncomfortable. It was very graphic. Yeah. So Luke dies, kind of. He goes... He's in limbo. Right. He sees his mother and young Nell and little Abigail in the red room at the tea party place where they were at. And mm-hmm. the mom is like, oh my God, so nice to see you. Welcome home. You're finally awake. And Nell is... Little Nell is telling him, run. Don't oh, go. Little Nell's don't got stay. so much attitude. Oh, yeah. Little Nell is sassy as fuck. So, Luke comes back to life. He says, no, I'm not going to stay here with you. He comes back to life and everybody starts to see Nell. And she's just... At first, she is babbling. Oh, she's batshit crazy. And then... But she says the same stuff again once they've Mm -hmm. said something. Like, this room feels familiar. 
each one of them had said, this room feels familiar It's for something. Then Nell starts to say exactly what she said the last time, but now it's all making sense. Yes. The red room that they could never get into, they've all been into throughout the entire show. Luke's treehouse was the red room. Theo's dance studio was the red room. Steven's video game room, I think it was called. Yeah. And Shirley's, like... Playroom? I don't even know what Shirley's was. She, like, looked at memories, like... The library. Yeah, it was something for Shirley. It was her special place. Yeah. And it was the mom's reading room. Yeah. You know? It was something to everyone but the dad. Dad apparently didn't have a room. It was a very crazy realization the red room was in their life this entire time Mm -hmm. but nobody knew about it and it was always closed to other people when somebody else was already in there that's why they could never get in there because someone else was already there yes the house itself they said that that room was the stomach of the house and in that room is where the house itself, like, feeds on people. Yeah, it digests them. Which is why it had summoned all of them there that night, you know? It was finishing the job it couldn't finish all those years ago at once. So the door finally opens and the dad is standing right there, waiting to help them get out. The girls run out and Steve is helping his dad carry Luke out. And Luke trips over something as they get out. Looks down, looks at his dad, and then they just keep walking. Yeah. And then the dad said, okay, Steve and I will meet you at the hospital. Him and I have to take care of something first. They go back up to where they were, and you see the dad's dead body on the floor is what Steve had tripped over. Yes. Because... The dad had made the promise to the mother to open the door. If you open the door, I will stay here. Forever with you. That's how the kids were able to escape. That's basically how it ends. You know, they they move on with their life. Luke gets two years clean, it looks like. Yeah, very proud of him. Good for him. Everybody's back together. It did look like Lee was pregnant. I mean, you can reverse. She was. You can reverse a vasectomy. And everybody got their, like, happy ending, which was really nice. Even the um, the Dudleys got their happy ending. Yep. You know, they got to the... The wife was able to die in the house and be reunited with both of their children that they had lost in the house. Yeah. And, you know, it... For a story that started off as bleak and as, like, dark, the ending was really sweet family oriented i felt nice that it was over the story like everybody had a nice happy ending yeah i would probably give this show a nine out of ten i always recommend this show to everybody i wouldn't necessarily give it a 10 out of 10 only because there's a little bit of it that's kind of hard to follow and if you're really not paying attention you don't see things i'm also not giving it a 10 out of 10 because i only saw one fucking hidden ghost (laughs) but other than that it was fantastic absolutely great i would even go like 9.5 but you're not getting that full 10 because i only saw one (laughs) 
Um, I mean, for me, I saw more than one ghost. I did the first time I watched it, too. Only because I knew going into the series that there were hidden ghosts. So I was scanning the background. I didn't because I watched it literally the day it came out. So there yeah. wasn't really like all the like spoiler heavy kind of stuff. Yeah, I it was, I think I watched it the first time a week after it came out. After I read an article that talked about like Hill House is so good, and then there's all these hidden things. Like I think I stayed up until like two in the morning waiting for it to drop, and it still wasn't available. So I was just like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna go to bed." And then. It was Wait probably the moment morning. you went to bed that it was, you know, oh, available because that's how that works. One hundred percent. It's such a good show. I I've talked about how much I hate Bly Manor because it was a terrible second season compared to this one. But you can't compare it because it's not the same. But but you can't. It's not the same. It's not the same story. But it's, it's not even the, the same, same setting either. But it's just. How can you follow something as good as Hill House? But it's... And try to hype Bly Manor up to be better? They hyped... They tried to hype Bly... But it wasn't. When they hyped Bly Manor, they hyped it in the sense that it was supposed to be scarier than the first one. And it wasn't. It's not that it... What... And you're probably going to be mad at me for saying this. I think the story of Bly Manor is better than Hill House. I don't agree for the fact that, like, I just couldn't get a connection with the people in Bly Manor. That's because you were probably just so irate that it wasn't so scary like you set it up for. And that's the problem I have with everybody when they give such negative reviews so quickly like that. Because... I liked Bly Manor. I appreciated for what it was. I liked the twists and the story of Bly Manor more than Hill House. Now, that doesn't mean that Hill House isn't a fantastic story that has multiple twists that you don't see coming. Yeah. If you've never seen it or if you've listened to this already, oops. I mean, spoiler warning. A little late, but... No, we gave it. I know. <laughs> Even with not enjoying Blind Manor as much, I think Hill House on its own, because they are separate, you know, it's such a good watch. Watching it again just reaffirmed for me how good it was. That, like, I would give it that 9.5 to 10. Like, yes, I don't want to give it a full 10. Because, like you said, there are parts that if you look away for, like, a minute, 30 seconds, you miss something. Right. Because there's, they just have this, like, little, little tidbit of dialogue that you needed to listen for to explain something else, you know. And rewatching it the second time... You know, there were parts that I did miss the first time. It's so good. The whole story, the whole telling of this story, too, with the jumping between the past and the present, the man did such a good job. I don't know if he wrote this fully by himself or if he had help, but if he did this fully by himself, like, fucking props to you, dude. So we got a few more questions from you guys, and we're going to read one or two of them before we sign off. I know this is going to be a little bit of a longer episode, and I'm sorry for everybody, but there was a lot that happened in this entire show that we wanted to talk about. So we'll do a couple. Somebody wrote in and asked what our favorite non-horror movie was. 
so I love movies in general. I love movie like franchises. I don't want to pick one of those that I like. So I'm going to go to one of my favorite not known movies and that's The Boondock Saints. Okay. It's such a good movie. It's so well written. It's about two brothers who just stumble upon essentially being assassins. And it's set in Boston and they have Boston accents. It's got Daryl from The Walking Dead in it. Very good movie. Okay. I've seen so many movies. It's hard to pick. I have like favorites in like different genres of things. Yeah. Yeah. I love superhero movies. I mean, one movie that I can watch over and over again and laugh every time is, and this is going to be a little stereotypical for my people, but (laughs) Mean Girls. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, that's just a fantastic... Good Lindsay Lohan movie. It is a good Lindsay Lohan. Before she... Parent Trap was a good Lindsay Lohan movie, too. Yeah, that was when she was a child. (laughs) Yeah. But this is before Lindsay Lohan went fully crazy. But my favorite, like action-y movie, I guess, would be Sucker Punch. Ooh, Sucker Punch is actually really good. I love that movie. Very underrated movie. I think when it first came out, like, everybody hated on it. I saw it, like, twice in theaters. It was very good. I own it on (laughs) Blu-ray. Yeah, it's very good. I own the extended cut. Oh, wow. On Blu-ray, where you get, like, different scenes that All the really, other shit. that ties the story really in together. Yeah, oh, the yeah. shit that they cut out. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So the next one is, besides anything Halloween Horror Nights related, what are you looking forward to doing at Universal? I know for me, I told you, the first thing I want to do when we get there is I want to go to Harry Potter World and get a butterbeer. Ugh. They're just so good. I don't is normally it? like sweet things, but it's just like a sweet root beer cream soda thing. Ugh. Delicious. Absolutely delicious. Disgusting. But then also the mummy ride is so fucking good. I'm very excited for that. Yeah. I am super excited for Hagrid's motorbike magical creature adventure thing. I don't know. That roller coaster has like a long ass name. <laughs> yeah. I'm and excited for that too. The Velocicoaster, which I hope you get on. I know you probably <laughs> won't, but... I'm a scared. <laughs> that looks absolutely amazing. We are going to be there for five days in park. I do not care if I have to wait in line for three and a half to four hours just to ride either one of those, because I've never been on them. Everything else I've been on multiple times. Plus, we yes. also have Fast Pass. Bye, peasants. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually very excited for the Fast Pass. That's something yeah, I've never had before. You've never vacationed with the Cliffords before. <laughs> yes, the bougie royalty. <laughs> the royalty that is your father. His lordship. <laughs> I'm just... I'm also excited to just go. Yeah. Need a break. This summer was fucking long. Yeah. And very difficult like 
my job, I worked like 60 to 70 hours every week. Oh. So, yeah, the money was great, but... You need a rest. I want to get fucking wasted and ride roller coasters. Don't get too wasted. I don't need you throwing up. Well, I'm also not going to ride the really high roller coasters. All so. right. <laughs> Take all the fun out of it. I mean, I told you I would ride one. I will do my best to suck it up for one. Velocicoaster? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one that's a little more normal and not terrifying. Well, Hagrid's isn't high off the ground. No, Hagrid's looks fine. But the things with the loop-de-loops and the shooting-ups and the coming-down-hards... It's not coming down hard. What it's, comes down hard on that? Uh, my entire body as I'm oh, flying right. at 70 miles an hour towards oh, the ground. right. And the only thing keeping me safe is this rickety-ass seatbelt. Well, there's no seatbelt. Well, that's even worse. It's, not, it's a thing that comes down. It's like air pressure locked. It's not going anywhere once it's down there. And it fits yeah. to you. It doesn't like click, click, click like old ones used to. Mm. It literally fits to we you. We will find out. <laughs> I'm sure they have a test seat on you the outside. You can ride it two to three on the outside. Yeah, most roller coasters will have, like, a test seat on, like, the outside oh, of the line. Oh, I thought you meant, like, the coaster and then there's a seat next to it that's, that's going to ride with it. And I'm like, uh, that's terrifying. That's called a wing coaster or a 4D coaster, and those exist. So the uh, train... No, thank you. The, the train itself sits on the spine of the track and the seats are on the outside. Oh fuck that! <laughs> and Who some of them, some of the seats that? will flip on some of them, and some of them just stay stationary and will flip with the, the way that the yeah no fuck that. <laughs> I've always wanted to go on a wing coaster. That looks like so much fun. That I will never do with you. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. Well, they don't have any of those down there, so you're Thank fine. God. No, those are in like major theme parks. I mean, I feel like Universal's pretty major, but Universal is. A movie theme park? Yes. I'm talking theme parks more like Six Flags, Cedar Point, like those kind of okay. theme parks that are not Our really... Six Flags doesn't have that though, right? Not... I don't think any Six Flags has a wing coaster. But I know Cedar Point has one. I know that there are a couple other... There are multiple well, like other... The Midwest, right, probably has like massive... There's one... Uh... There's a couple. I think there's one at Dollywood. I don't know if Thunderbird is at Dollywood. Fucking Dollywood? Are you kidding me? I think it's at Dollywood. I'll Dollywood has up. roller coasters? Dollywood has a launched wooden coaster. What the fuck? So it's kind of like El Toro-ish, but the... the um, Why does Dolly Parton have this? Dolly, Dollywood is huge. has so many roller coasters and rides and stuff. Jesus Christ. I thought it was like a fucking little tour of like Dolly Parton's life. No. She has her own theme park. Uh, with Filled with... Okay. <laughs> you learned something new about Dolly Parton today, guys. There you really you go. don't know about Dollywood? I'm going to send you a video no. of all the rides at Dollywood. I'm not a Dolly Parton <laughs> fan. I don't follow oh. her. <laughs> I don't follow her either, but I know about Dollywood. I know Dollywood exists, but like I said, I assumed it was like Elvis, like his house where you just like go on a tour and you're like, all right, this is where he died. I know Dolly Parton's still alive, but they'll be like, this is where she's going to die. In her oh my bed. God. <laughs> Yes, Dollywood is real. Oh my god. Hold on. I'm gonna... Hold on. I legitimately thought it was just, like, maybe five to ten buildings. Some, like, 
Dolly Parton themed rides a souvenir shop type of shit. Oh my god. So thank you everybody for listening to this episode. Like I said, I know it was a long one, but I appreciate you making it all the way to the end. As you guys are listening to this, Anthony and I are actually in Universal right now, having the time of our lives, I'm sure. Of course. Plenty of booze to be had and fast passes to be fasted. (laughs) And peasants to be waved at. (laughs) Yes, we'll wave as we go by. (laughs) Maybe get capes. So the next time you hear from us might be a a little bit different because we are going to be reviewing Halloween Horror Nights. We might do a little live from Halloween Horror Nights and kind of throw it into the episode just to have our initial raw reactions to things. But we'll see. All right, wiener holes. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us at slasher underscore sluts underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Who remembered the underscores this time? I did remember. (laughs) I'm very proud of you. Also follow us on Facebook, Slasher Sluts Podcast group. And SlasherSlutsPodcast.com to find all the rest of our socials. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review, and we will see you next week. From Florida. Make good life choices. And be good people.